He was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, Well, when you pray, you say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will you instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then or he will know how to give such good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ron. When I was a child in Sunday school, I was taught how to pray in a very specific way. The model was easy to remember. Acts. A-C-T-S. One starts with adoration of God, then confession of sin, then thanksgiving for what we had, and finally supplication for the needs of ourselves and others. Later, I was taught the five-finger prayer model. With your thumb, you remember to pray for those closest to you. With your pointer finger, for those who guide you. With your middle finger, the tallest one, Pray for government and leadership, only now do I find this hilarious. With one's ring finger, the weakest one, we pray for those who are weak, powerless, and persecuted. And finally, with the pinky, the smallest and least, we pray for ourselves. What both of these models have in common is the admonition to pray last for ourselves. 
I don't know about you, but that seemed very natural in my kind of Christian upbringing, in which we were taught that our only real importance as people lay in how well we served God and others, so our needs naturally would come last. This desire for, or at least direction toward, self-abnegation and immersion in the ineffable divine is an effort at right prayer. But our text today seems to offer something very different from what those models present. I share my own history to say that we all have a history with prayer, memories of how prayer was or wasn't modeled in our childhoods. Today's gospel takes us back to the beginning, to praying with and in Jesus. It is not merely a pious story of a moment in the life of Jesus, not merely a story of how we got the Lord's Prayer, not merely a lesson from Jesus the teacher, though of course it is all of these things. It is a teacher modeling what dependence upon God looks like for his followers. Upon their asking, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray and for what to pray. Luke shows us that prayer was an integral part of the life of Jesus. Several times in Luke's gospel, we see that he withdraws to deserted places to pray, or he goes to the mountain to pray, or he spends the night in prayer. Jesus prays before he chooses his disciples, before he feeds the 5,000. He prays in the garden before his arrest, and he prays from the cross itself. Prayer was a part of Jesus' life, even unto death. So let us look to the text as we explore the ways this prayer could shape us. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. These words are deeply familiar to us, so deeply familiar that I accidentally substituted a thy instead of your. They are so familiar as to be as close as our very breath, but do we really think about them? Do we recognize them for the radical way of being and relating that they require of us? Douglas John Hall writes, Pious convention has conditioned most of us to repeat this prayer so quietly and reverentially that we fail to recognize how we are risking an aggressiveness commensurate with bourgeois manners when we pray it. That is quite a statement. To be sure, the prayer models I was taught would approve of the opening, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. This opening glorifies God in that it recognizes straight away the sacredness of the holy name and the power of the one to whom we pray. It reminds us of the transcendence, the otherness, and the sovereignty of God in a mere eight words. But it also recognizes a relational ontology, that God is always already in relationship with us. When we pray, it is not to some stranger out there. It is to the creator of all things, the one who fashioned the stars and each and every one of us. 
It is to the one in whom all things hold together, who wants to be known to us as a parent. When we pray this prayer, we acknowledge from the outset that God is in relationship with us already. After this brief salutation, the prayer moves directly into the human condition. In sequence, the prayer rushes from glorification of God to petition for the most basic of our needs. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. There is no please, there is no Midwest nice. There is no if it is your will, there is no but it's okay if you don't. This is a most human, a most desperate kind of praying. Again, Douglas John Hall writes, the whole assumption of this prayer is that it is uttered out of a condition of real necessity. The one who prays is thus driven by great need. There is neither the inclination nor the time for dissemblance or pretense. The object of prayer, Christianly understood, is not so much to lose oneself in the contemplation of the divine as to find oneself, to become, so far as possible, one who is. And who are we? Well, the prayer tells us we are dependent, creatures who need to be given bread and everything else from the hand of God. We are guilty, creatures who need forgiveness out of the grace of God. We are lost and vulnerable, creatures who need leadership and deliverance out of the kindness of God. We pray because we recognize these truths and we know we have nowhere else to go. Sometimes at the intersection of our most honest prayer and the place of our weakness, we encounter the source of new strength. The text continues. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and the children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. This section of the text reinforces the prayer itself, that prayer is not meek, contrived, or merely religious. It is the act of human beings who know how hard it is to be human. Real prayer cannot be faked. The only prerequisites are an ability to recognize the depth of our need and a measure of humility to ask for help. Just as a persistent friend receives the bread for which he asks because of his asking, we will receive what we need in prayer. The text concludes, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask, the text says, really ask. Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. For in the asking, you are already receiving that which you need. Search, really search. 
Keep on searching and you will find. For in the searching you are already receiving that which you need. Knock, really knock. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened for you. For in the knocking you are already receiving that which you need. You see, prayer may or may not change the outcome of a situation, but it will change the prayer. It will help us sense our relationship to God and our level of need for God. It will center us in God's reality. In prayer, we come to believe God's heart for us, that ruptures would be healed, that relationships would flourish, that poverty and injustice and war would cease. Good prayer, real prayer, desperate prayer is what lets us get real with God about all that we feel and experience all that we hope and dream. Jesus concludes with a question for parents. Who would give their child a snake instead of a fish or a scorpion instead of an egg? No one, of course, at least no good parent. And that is exactly Jesus's point. Even a parent who meets a child's deepest desire is not worthy to be compared to the God to whom we pray. For parental love is part of God's love, but it is not its peak. It is simply the crest of one wave which folds into an unending sea of loving kindness. Each instruction Jesus gives the disciples invites them to experience relationship with God. They could see that relationship in Jesus's prayer life and in their relationships with him. If God is in some deep and eternal sense like Jesus, we can draw near in prayer because nothing, neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God. So ask, my friends, ask to see God in your need, in your desperation, in your heart's desire, for God is present with you, as close as your heartbeat in your asking. Amen.